Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We are so grateful that you're tuning in today, wherever you are. We can kind of picture them right somewhere, uh, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> We're speaking can. to an empty screen. <laughs> We love being out and about and having someone say, oh, I heard you on Ayers on the Road the other day. It makes us feel connected, you know, Absolutely. connected to other parents, to other marriage partners. We're all fellow strugglers. Remember how we used to say what, what, there was a point at which we got really tired of being introduced before our speeches as parenting experts and <laughs> So we combated that in two ways because we don't think there's any parenting experts because your kids and our kids are different. We can't be experts on yours and you can't be experts on ours. So for a while we were saying, well, uh, an ex an expert is just a... Uh, an ex is a has-been. Is a has-been and a spurt is a drip under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also said, please just introduce us as fellow strugglers. That's what we are. We are still. And, you know, we think that it's over when we send the children away (laughs) on their own little happy path. But um, as we have learned, and now our children have learned. And as all you grandparents know. All you grandparents know, it never ends. Um, There's always something. uh, Something to entertain and something to uh, be distraught about. Now, Linda, do you realize... This is the year, this, this year, 2021, we mark our 10th year of doing Ayers on the Road. 10 years. That's wow. a decade. Wow. And, and the thing that's always united what we talk about every week, week in and week out, is family. This is about our marriages and about our parenting. And even more than that, it's about families in the larger sense. If you're a single person, you're part of a family. You're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a sister, you're a daughter, you're a brother, you're a, and you know, we're all connected. That's the whole point. And what we're excited about this week and last week, for those of you who listened, is essentially moving it to almost a whole new level where we're saying, okay, who, wh- what's the ultimate example? I mean, we all look for examples, you know, people that we can learn from in terms of how they handle their marriage or how they handle their children or how they do their parenting. But the ultimate example in our minds is our heavenly parents, our heavenly father. And it's just, you know, it's you, you might say, well, that's a discouraging thought because they're perfect and we are not. And so... Every, every time we think about them, we just feel less adequate. But, but in the positive sense, what an interesting and powerful thing to try to think about God as a parent and to try to learn from that and what we know about him as a parent. It really is um, fascinating to think about. And interestingly, many of you who still have children in the home uh, don't have a lot of time to think about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> because When do you find this pondering when time? When <laughs> do you find this pondering time? And still, uh, I do have to say at the on- onset that Richard has spent a lot of time thinking about this. I am thinking about 
a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, but you are the one that helps me think about this, honey, which is so great and so important. Well, there are, uh, life is interesting no matter what stage you're in, but um, there's still a lot going on in all of our lives. Well, let me just put it in the form of something that happened the other day. One of our daughters, um, just as I was writing an article on, on, on this series I'm doing called The Parental God, which appears in Meridian Magazine, those of you who want to read the written form of what we're talking about today can just go to Meridian Magazine, just put it in your search bar and it'll bring up the magazine and, you, and then there's another search bar where you can put in ire and it'll bring you to these articles. But anyway, I was working on one of them and one of our daughters came in and, and asked me a really interesting question. She, she basically said, why do you feel like this series is needed? She, she essentially said, why write about something about which we know so little? And she was referring to the idea of parental God and of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. Why write about something about which we really don't know very much? And I thought about that answer for quite a while and, and um, we talked about it together, honey. And I think there are three potential benefits in thinking more about our parental God and pondering what we do know about Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, even though we may wish we knew a lot more, pondering what we do know, I, I think there are kind of three reasons for taking the time and the effort to, to study and ponder. Let, let us read you these three reasons and see if you're with us on these. Linda will read number one, I'll read number two, and, and Linda will read number three. And again, these are reasons why it is useful and important and productive and beautiful to try to think about a parental God. So number one, to expand our faith in and our doctrinal knowledge of our heavenly parents. Thus following the scriptural admonition, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And discovering the freedom that is the knowledge that can give. And that was a direct quote. Uh, and here's another one, quote, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So think about those two New Testament scriptures for a minute that all Christians embrace and believe in. The first one, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. I think the only way you can interpret that is to say that the, one of the great purposes of life is to try to know all we can about God. That's, that's what life eternal is. And then the beautiful uh, in John 17 and 3, if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. The more we know about God, the more that truth frees us from error and from misconception and from all kinds of things that lead us in wrong directions. Well, yeah, releasing us from guilt and uh, you know all those things that we struggle with. Um, it really makes an enormous difference. So that's the first reason. The second reason that we think it's productive to think about this parental God and ponder it is to strengthen our character, our individual characters, by striving to understand and emulate God's character. If we know all we can about God, and in our case we're thinking of this as Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, that 
begins to help us adopt their perspective and their universal love and to try to emulate their priorities and their perspectives. And, and here's another New, New Testament scripture to back that up. And it's one that people ponder a lot. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, that's a, that's a long-term goal. We're not going to be anywhere near perfect here. But pondering God's character is, is the key to strengthening our own. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot this week because I'm working on um, a service project for yeah, yeah. young women for a state camp. We're going to uh, <clears throat> start it off with um, a bang with a service project with these girls to open their eyes to some things that are important about service. But... Um, I've thought about it so much more because we're, what we're doing is we're going to go make food for the homeless. We have a homeless shelter near where we are downtown in Salt Lake City. And um, I went over there to talk to the sweet man who hands out sandwiches all day to anybody who comes to the, the window. And it just hit me that, you know, God loves these beautiful people that are in those tents behind the building all the way down the street. He loves them as much as he loves me. And I think it's so important to realize that that is what life is all about. This is an awakening um, as I think about heavenly parents loving me, but those heavenly parents love those people as much as they love me, and we should love them likewise. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's, that is the second reason that it's great to ponder who God is and how we can be more like him. It strengthens our own character. And number three... To provide us a model and an ideal for our most important relationships, to know and strive to understand the type of oneness our heavenly parents enjoy, and to discover insights into how they parent all of us, their children, and to understand that we are spiritually and literally part of their family. And then, quote, as God is, man may become, end quote from the King Follett Discourse. Yeah, that's a statement by Joseph Smith and, and by others in the early days of the LDS or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which all of you know we're members of. And it is just such a, it's a provocative statement. And it's, it's one that has caused a lot of debate among other churches in their perception of us. Some would say, well, that's the most pretentious statement ever, as God is, man may become. But, but it, it, and you have to think of it in the very, very long term and in the sense that every time you improve thing, you become a tiny bit more like God. And so I think it's important, Linda. Now, let's think about these three reasons for just a minute. I mean, they're pretty powerful, right? The three reasons for wanting to really ponder and contemplate the parental God. And again, we talked about this last week. You know, if, if, you're, if your vision of God is a sovereign God or a jealous God or a vindictive God or an all-powerful, demanding, never-forgiving God or whatever, and some people do perceive God in those ways, it changes everything when compared with a parental God because a parent... A parent loves unconditionally. A parent forgives. A parent cuts you a little slack. A parent never gives up on you. And on and on and on and on, right? Right. And thinking of a parental God with both a Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother is, is so powerful. So these three reasons are really, you know, 
you ponder it, one, to better know God, two, to improve our individual character by emulating God, and three, to strengthen and, and refine our relationships. That's pretty, pretty powerful. Um, and that's what we're all about. That's what we're talking about today, is how can each of us as individuals lift our sights a little in that regard? It really is important to think. I mean, we just take God for granted, and when we pray, we just know he's there, usually. And it, you know, it just becomes part of our fiber, and we don't take time to stop and look, really look and think about what we're saying when we pray, um, who we're speaking with when we pray. It's a good exercise. Linda's gonna read a little, just a little juxtaposition that I think is really thought-provoking, and, and we'll discuss it here for a minute. Um, yes, this is a ju- juxtaposition of our belief with the cat with Catholicism. And we're not being critical of anything. We're just pointing this out as a discussion point. So, this is re- this is really interesting. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, number two thirty nine, states that quote God is neither man nor woman. He is God, unquote. Whereas we would say, we, as members of the church, would say, God is both man and woman. They are God. Think of the difference in that perception. And again, we're not trying to preach on the radio or on the podcast today. We're just trying to point out what a drastic difference this is. If on the one hand, you say, God is neither man nor woman. He is God. And now if you transpose that and say, God is both man and woman, they are God. That's a, that's a powerful paradigm shift. It does change shift. everything. And we, we do have to say that we have friends who are Catholics who we adore, and, and they adore God. In fact, they um, worship, they really worship better than we do in a lot of cases. We know so many Christians of other faiths who really are more... I, I hate to say it, but more Christ-centered than, than we are in many right. ways. and more God-centered. And speaking of ways. just ourselves, we're not trying to put a lot of people in a <laughs> we're category. We're not putting <laughs> words in your mouth, but we're just saying that is our perception. So here's how deep it goes in, in our faith. Um, I want you to think about this little quote for a minute. Elder Dallin H. Oaks, who is a member of the First Presidency of our church, Put it this way, and this is just one little sentence, but think about this one. Our theology begins with heavenly parents. Our highest aspiration is to be like them. Now that is a pithy sentence. That is amazing. (laughs) I love that. Um, Do you remember when he said that? Yes, well, I've got a reference, and we'll put it in the article that people are going to be reading in connection with this. But that and, is and, amazing, and it is included in our, our gospel topic essay on Mother in Heaven. It's a beautiful essay, and that when you think about that, Linda, our theology begins with heavenly prayer. That's the starting that point. That is the beginning. That's what everything else springs from. It makes all the that, difference. That's so powerful, and our highest aspiration is to be like them. Really powerful. (laughs) Wow. But let's go back earlier, very very much earlier, the first presidency of our church in 1909 said this. The president first taught that 
all men and women are in the similitude of the universal father and mother and are literally the sons and daughters of deity. Now see that is that is so unique as a as a doctrine. Literally the sons and daughters of deity in the similitude of the universal father and mother. That that is such a profound paradigm shift. Well, the fascinating thing is it was written in 1909. Right. That's amazing. Right. Truly incredible. And here's what we think is so amazing about that, and we're going to take a break right after this, and then we'll come back to this, but but when when we said this is the beginning and this is where everything starts, think about that for a minute, because if a person really believes that God is truly and fully parental in a complete way, then it becomes natural to believe in a lot of other things like a pre-mortal life and a divine plan of happiness. Let's take our break now, Linda, and come back and talk about some of the things that stem from or spring from this belief in a parental God. And so hang on. We're having fun. Be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back talking about a fascinating subject today. Uh, we hope you agree. And, you know, we surely don't know very much about this. so We're feeling our way and looking and re- researching it. And we're just in- inviting you on this journey with us. But... Um, let, let's let's put it in a very contrite form. Linda will read you this paragraph, and then we're going to read you a little list that I think will flesh it out. Once one has a testimony that God is a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, the true and eternal parents of our spirits, who love us equally and unequivocally, all other restored doctrines become natural and almost obvious. Indeed, if God is truly and fully parental in this complete way, then of course... There must also be... So think of that as if then. If God is really a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, then these other things seem almost self-evident. Let's read them every other one, Linda. I'll start. Then it is evident that there must be a pre-mortal life. A divine plan of happiness whereby our heavenly parents guide us home. The true siblinghood of all people everywhere. We're literally brothers and sisters. A preeminent priority on family, an assurance that we are all part of their family. A priesthood or some kind of power that allows us to operate within their power. An unconditional love manifest in our brother's atonement that allows us to return. A need for temples to connect and redeem all of humanity. That would be natural to believe if God is truly our parents. An absolute requirement for tolerance and a prohibition of prejudice. How could we possibly feel prejudice if we deeply internalized the fact that we are all siblings and children of heavenly parents? Um, going on, the fairness and importance of a spirit world following this life where everything is equalized and everyone has the chance they may not have had on this life. The necessity of agency and opposition and choices in this world. That one's huge. Huge. The interplay and connectedness of justice and mercy. A manifestation of the highest and most personal and unconditional love. 
this magnificent earth as a gift, a loving gift from our heavenly parents. And a recognition of family as the basic unit of society and of eternity. And that list can go on and on. Each of these thens that follows the if of a parental God. That's just so wonderful and so powerful. And um, this, this little series that we're writing in Meridian Magazine, is the, the title of it is A Parental God, The Parental God. And, and the title says, That Paradigm Changes Everything. Now, that's a pretty big word. Everything's a pretty big word. But let's just read you another list. And as we do, and again, we're going to go fast on this, and you, you can go back and read this list if you go to the, the article on, on Meridian. But, but we want to suggest what does it change when we internalize this belief that this God who we worship, who we pray to, who we try to emulate is actually a parent. It's actually both parents. What does that begin to change in us? And we're going to read this list again. It's going to seem fast, but try to grasp each one for a minute and, and see what it would be. And, and number one, I have to clarify a little, and then we'll just read the rest of the list. It, it changes how we pray. It doesn't change who we pray to in the sense that we're told by Jesus himself in the New Testament, you pray to Heavenly Father. But what if Heavenly Father is like a surname, and what if they're both aware of us and of our prayer? So here's the, the things that it begins to change. Yeah, we'll that's, an important, that's an important stipulation. We'll read them every other one. Um, it changes our notion of where we began. It changes our priorities and our understanding of what really matters and what doesn't. It changes our purpose. It changes our perception of family and extended family. It changes our relationship with everyone we know and with those we don't. It changes our goals and our objectives. It changes our perception of past, present, and future. It changes our view of freedom and independence and interdependence. It changes our view of Muhammad or Buddha and other faith traditions. I love that one. I do too. It changes our idea of judgment and our definitions of justice and mercy. It changes and literalizes our grasp of the brotherhood and sisterhood of all mankind. It changes our patriarchal priesthood <clears throat> into a familial priesthood. Boy, we could go on and on on that. Oh, there's a lot behind <laughs> each one of these. It changes our tolerance, our forgiveness, and the scope of our love. It changes our own self-respect. It changes our understanding of adversity and of failure. It changes how we worship. And it changes how we meditate. It changes our sense of inclusion and exclusion. It changes how we look at our babies and our parents. It changes how we view time and deadlines and schedules. It changes our view of science and of the universe. It changes our capacity for beauty and for awe. It changes how we understand repentance and growth. It changes our fear and our understanding of death. It changes the way through which we know things. It changes our perception of the eternal permanence of relationships. Now, that, that's quite <coughs> well, a list. that's a long, long <laughs> but, but honestly, if you really perceive and internalize God as parents, as our heavenly parents, it does change everything. It changes everything in how we think and how we live. I, I have to agree. 
Um, and but we have to remember that it changes because so often we get in a rut yeah, and we just take start it for thinking granted. the same thing, exactly. and saying the same prayers, and so on. We need to change that up too. Now the, we want to get to the third area here before we run out of time on this podcast because. Remember, the third reason for wanting to think about and ponder God as parental is that it changes our relationships. Now, you may say, well, we don't, we don't know much about God and the relationship of Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father and about their parenting, but actually we do know quite a few things. Ponder with us one more list as we think about what we know about God's, dare I say, marriage and parenting. I mean, that lowers it in a way because it's much more divine and big than that but 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 let's think about what we do know and how it might impact how we do our marriages and our parenting okay so we know that they are one in the deepest and most profound and most loving sense of the word we really do there that's a oneness that we can aspire to even though we can never fully make it while we're here we know that their equality is synergistic, not competitive. I love this one. Their oneness is, is similar but far greater to some rare oneness relationships we might see in earthly marriages that where people don't keep score or demand sameness. They find a teamwork and a mutual regard and a synergy. On a divine scale, that makes our heavenly parents oneness. It's a power and an effectiveness vastly greater than the sum of their parts. Wow, yeah, that's true. We, um, we also know that at least certain principles of how they parent their children um, are similar. They taught and tutored and nurtured us until they knew that we needed to go elsewhere to continue our progression. And when we left, they gave us fully gave us agency and personal responsibility. Can we do that as parents? Can Whoa. we teach our children all we know and then really release them and give them their agency? He That's so did hard. That. It is so hard. We have um, some, our kids right now, they're kind of struggling with, am I controlling my kids too much? They're, they're leaving home. Some have left home. Some are still at home. But am I controlling my kids and I think when they're still in the home you do have to have give them direction give them so on but it is the hardest thing oh, in the world we, to we, just let go and take a deep breath and pray for them and not interfere we'd like to say so much more about each of these but hopefully you're grasping and filling in thinking about these yourself as we go through this list of how what we know about God's parenting and how we can try to emulate it so let's finish the list Linda we uh, we know that they are always there for us, always available, always responsive to our needs, if not our requests. And, and we strive to be available always to our children. We know that they love us individually and uniquely and unconditionally. That they don't compare us or have one that's favored over another and so on. We know that they give us covenants and ordinances to mark the covenant path they want us to follow. Can we give that mm, there's kind a lot of thing? With that yeah. too. We know that they give us laws and commandments, which were and are actually loving counsel from wise parents. And can we do that with our children? We know that they and our eldest brother were and are willing to prioritize us <clears throat> and to sacrifice for us. 
And that's what we need to be as parents. And this is great. We know their joy for us is to have joy. Their goal for us is to have joy. Their goal, yeah. Yeah, and, and we should have that goal for our children. We know that they are pleased when we love them, and they are very pleased when we love each other. And isn't that yeah. true of all of us as parents? Yes, and we know that they are united, that their goal is to bring about our immortality and eternal life. So think of that. I mean, every one of these <clears throat> divine relationship qualities can be applied a little bit in embryo to our own relationships here on earth. And while we can never fully emulate their perfection, and so we're, we're at the end, Linda. We've made it to the end of this rushed time. But keep in mind, you can go to Meridian Magazine and read this article. And we just challenge you to think and ponder and pray about God as a parent. Because in our minds, that's the most beautiful thing you can do. Well, it's something to ponder. We hope you will uh, think about it and join us again next week. We'll have some more exciting things on our Heavenly Parents and the Parental God. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>